Today's shear begins in the middle of the Chof Zayin. You'll notice a Mishnah, 26 lines from the top. In our previous shear on Chof Vavamid Beis, we learned about a woman, a married Jewish woman, taken captive by Gentiles. We saw a distinction in the Mishnah between was she taken for money purposes, ransom purposes, or was it for nefoshos purposes? And nefoshos had to do with uh, an issue of life and death. And without getting into the details, the Gemara discussed that in our, we discussed that in the Gemara in our previous shiur. This Mishnah deals with a city that is under siege. The Mishnah. Ir Shikovshua Karkoim. A city that's under siege. Uh, a Gentile army has uh, surrounded it and they have uh, access, of course, to the inhabitants. Kol Kehanas Shinimsu Besoychapsulos. All the women married to Kehanim are rendered unfit to their husbands. A Kohen's wife, she, even if she is raped against her will, intimacy against the woman, a woman married to a Kohen, renders her unfit to her husband, and they must separate. Vimyesh lohem edim, if there are, however, witnesses that can say that no intimacy took place, that she was uh, remained of, uh, pure no uh, Gentile soldier had uh, misused her even if the testimony is that of a slave or a bondmaid which are people that in general are disqualified from formal testimony here they are believed and one should bear in mind that this this whole situation is one of a of doubt. We're not saying she was certainly misused, so it's an issue of a chashash, of a suspicion, of a doubt, a possibility, and hence you see this, uh, we'll say this, relaxation in the uh, laws of testimony. A husband, though, is not believed concerning his own wife. He can't say, I know for sure that she was not uh, misused. The Gemara now raises a seeming contradiction. On the side of the Gemara, our topic heading is what we've already featured, Kashrusan Likuhuna Shel Noshim Hagoyim. The acceptance of married women, married to Kohanim, that were in a city under siege by Gentiles. The Gemara, though, as we said, asks a seeming contradiction. Viraminu. Ramina, we raise a contradiction. Baleshes Shabali Ir. A force, a military force that came to a city. Bishas Shalom, if it's a time of peace, there is no actual war. Chovios Psuchos, Asuros Tumos Mutoros. Open barrels of wine are forbidden. There is a halocha known as Yayin Nesech the wine that was poured or stirred by Gentiles. Kosher wine that is stirred or, or shaken or moved around by Gentiles is rendered forbidden. However, stumos, if the barrels are sealed, 
then this restriction doesn't apply. That's why stumos mutaros. Bishas milchama, if the situation is a time of war, elu ve'elu mutaros, even the open barrels in the city are allowed. There isn't any time to uh, pour the wine in honor of the idol, which is, generally speaking, the problem behind Yayin Nesech. But since it's a time of war, <coughs> so all of the barrels of wine are allowed. They're preoccupied. The, this military force is preoccupied with the war. Now, our Mishnah describes a time of war. We're talking about a city under siege. So how is it that in the Mishnah, uh, though it's under siege, the suspicion exists that the, that the soldiers, uh, they had time to go off to uh, the women in the city. Whereas in this source, it's a time of milchama, it's a time of, of uh, uh, military activity. There is no time for other things. Omar Rav Mori. So here we have two answers. Rav Mori says, Liv'il yesh penai, l'nasech ein penai. For uh, intimacy, there is time. Rashi says, the tokif luhu yitzrayo, the inclination, the motivation for intimacy is greater than the motivation to uh, stir wine or pour wine in honor of idols. And therefore, livol, there, if that's the intimacy, yesh penai, there is time. L'nasech, for that, there is no time. Rabbi Yitzhak bar Elozer Mishmei Dechizki Omar Rabbi Yitzhak gives us a, another resolution Kan b'karkum shel oisim malchus Kan b'karkum shel malchus acheres Rabbi Yitzhak is viewing the two sources as dealing with uh, times of war uh, as we said before the problem arose from the wine source at the time of war versus our Mishnah at the, uh, regarding the women at and time of war but it all depends on who is laying siege on the city if it's a malchus acheres that's a a, a, a a power that comes from far away versus oisamachus oisamachus Rashi explains this is a military force that is coming from a neighboring location the military force that's coming from a neighboring location does not want to misuse, to defile the inhabitants of that town. Uh, they, they essentially want the inhabitants of that town to become part of their kingdom, their neighbors. They want to uh, attach this uh, community to the to their kingdom, and they want them to be, as Rashi says, lamas oved. They want them to uh, be available for taxation and for uh, serving in that government uh, workforce. Mas oved is very likely a, a case of your taxed by by offering time to the government for uh, government needs. So that's with regard to oisa malchus. They're not going to ruin um, things. And that's what the wine source was referring to. However, if it's a far away government uh, army that's 
simply warring, but that's but their agenda does not include necessarily uh, attaching this place to their government, to their kingdom. So then they take uh, liberties, whether it be to uh, violate the women, or if it's the case of the wine, they'll, they'll ruin the wine there. The Gemara asks, Shall Oysa Malchus Nami? We got finished saying that if it's Oysa Malchus, if they a, uh, a neighboring uh, uh, kingdom that is now uh, um, uh, attaching this community to theirs, uh, and therefore everything is fine, well, e efshur the lo orak chad minayu, it's uh, impossible that that one of its soldiers wouldn't have gone off from the uh, siege into the town and and um, done uh, and done the violation. So that how can you be so sure that if it's Oysamalchus that you don't have to worry about any foul play? Omar Rabyuda Mashmuel Kishimishmoros Rozuazu. The Mishnah, the Tanaic source that indicates that if it's Oysamalchus there's not going to be any foul play, that's because there are guards that are making sure uh, soldiers don't slip out of the siege into the town to ruin things. Question: It's impossible that they don't doze off. In other words, you say they're under guard, but even guarding is, is, is has holes in it. People doze off. Rabbi Levi says that the city is actually surrounded with. We'll call this a um, a um, an elementary or a prehistoric type alarm system, but. I'll say it's quite effective. What is, how, how is this alarm system made up? So the city is surrounded by shushilta. It's, it's surrounded by chains, by kalba, by dogs. Gavza, these are, uh, Rashi says, maklois, the case mainly koshilbehen. It's uh, sticks and, and twigs that uh, one will stumble over. The avza, and those are birds. What, ha- what this basically is is that if any, uh, anyone from the force tries to get into town they're going to encounter all of these blocks and the, the, the noise that will be made if they start trampling over the twigs and the sticks and the dogs and the, and the birds will start making noise and they won't be able to get away with it. Omar Rebbe Abo Barzavda Pligi Bo Rebbe Huda of Rabbonan on the side of the Gemara, before we continue, we have a Mivneh structural note. Have the triangles that we see, Havlotas Chad Omar Vechad Kashia. There are two approaches taken by Rabbi Huda Nesiyah and the Rabbanan. It's not said in the Gemara who says what, but they, um, they learned this sugya just like we did. And w- watch what happens. Chad Omar. They both were confronted with the seeming contradiction that we had to deal with till now. So, uh, one of the approaches simply was to offer the resolution that we saw Rav Yitzchak Bar Elozer offer. That it depends if you're dealing with Oysamachus, so then there's no suspicion of foul play. And if it's a far away uh, military force, then there is suspicion. And Velo Kashio Le Velo Medi, in rendering that 
resolution, he found nothing, no difficulties with it. It was a smooth resolution. He wasn't concerned with, oh, maybe one soldier is going to slip away and, um, and, and, uh, and, and practice foul play. V'chad kashyolei kolhani, and the other, we had reviewed in the Sea and the Rabbonin, and the other one, uh, though they offered this resolution, but the problem arose. Like we raised the problem of, how can you say that if it's Eisamachus, that things are so secure, is there not the problem of someone uh, slipping away? Well, Mishani, and eventually he answered, just like we answered, to go to Mahadulay Lamasa, the city is surrounded, Shulshulta Kalba Vigavza Viaza, as we explained. Before we go further in the Gemara, we glance at the side under the, no, say, the topic heading, Machboi Besoichoir, Shoisub Mozar. We mentioned a city that was under siege. Imagine a hideaway, a Machboi, a hideaway, some type of uh, uh, location that you could. Uh, slip into and not be discovered. And the fact that there is this hideaway, can that serve as a means of, uh, of, of saving all the married women from prohibition to their husbands? What's the point here? That if uh, women can slip into this hideaway, so then that will be a guarantee that they would not have been violated. Omar Rav Ivi Bar Ovin, Omar Rav Yitzhak Bar Ashian. Im Machboya Achas, if there is one hideaway, Matzelas Ala Kahanes Kulan. It saves, it protects all the women married to Kahanim from becoming prohibited. As we go further in the Gemara, we have a new geometric form on the side under the Mivneh, Havlotasan. The uh, bow tie shape. Havaltasan shall shnei sheilos hakshuras lemachbo. We're introducing with this two questions that have relevance to this issue of the machbo of the hideaway. So we continue back in the Gemara. Boy, Ravir Mia. Eino machzekis alachas ma. Let's say that the hideaway was a very small hideaway, capable of holding only one woman. And in this town, there are many women that are married to Kohanim. The, the, the uh, hideaway is capable of holding only one woman. Well, what's the question? Mi Amrinon, do we say, that when you look at each woman and ask yourself, was she violated? Well, you could say, oh, no, this woman was in the hideaway. Or maybe we don't say that. And that if it's capable of holding only one woman, it's not going to save all of the women of the town. As you can see, there is a bracketed section in the Gemara, and we have a note on the side. There's a starred note. So Graham Elu a nom dilug. The purpose of these brackets is not for skipping, as is often the case when we have brackets in order to maintain a a type of logical flow. That's not the purpose here. We're trying with these brackets to show that up till this point, uh, Rav Yumiya raises the question, and in fact, there is no answer to his question. What is the din if it's a very small hideaway? But 
within the brackets, we're going to try to uh, raise a question uh, uh, regarding Rav Yirmiyah and was there any need to ask this question in the first place. In other words, there appears to be a precedent from which we should have been able to resolve the issue. At the end of this discussion, we're going to have to show how uh, this uh, precedent, this case, doesn't uh, actually answer Rav Yirmiyah's question. So now, with that in mind, we go into the bracketed section. What is different about this case? This source deals with the issue of Tumas Mace. Uh, defilement as a result of walking over a uh, buried, dead body. Walking over the dead, even though you don't have actual contact with them. This, that's called oihel, called overshadowing. And one who does so becomes defiled. In this source, we have a case of there are two paths, rather narrow paths. There are their, um, their width is the same as the average height of a human being. Now, under one of, there are two paths featured here, and one, under one of them, there is definitely a body buried, the length of the body under the width of the path, so that it would be impossible to walk on this path and remain undefiled. Here, though, we have two paths, and we don't know under which one is the body. So we have two paths, one is defiled and the other is not. In other words, under one of the paths, in its width, there is a body buried and the other not. Someone walked on one of the paths, the Oso Taros, and he, and he what Oso Taros Rashi says, Noga Betaros, he he touched something that needs to uh, ordinarily remain undefiled. Things like uh, sacrificial matters or trumor. And his friend walked over the second path, the Osotaros, and he touched uh, truma, let's say. Rabbiuda Omer, im nishal. Rebuda says, if uh, the, a question is presented regarding am I tohor not, each person asks about himself, tohoros, the ruling that we'll give to each one is, you are tohor. Shneem ka'achas temeos. If two at the same time, then we'll have to say, you're tomei. Rebuda says, u'benkach temeyin. Whether it's this way or that way, they are Tomei. That's as far as a strict translation of the source. However, we have to, uh, we have to uh, learn the Gemara to see the interpretation of this source. The Omar Rova, Vitema Rabbi Yochanan, the Vasachas Divriakol Tomeyin. If the, these two people came in front of a Rav, in front of a Posek, and uh, asked, uh, uh, what is our din? So, everyone would say that they will be declared tome, and if whatever they touched will be considered defiled. 
If they came one after the other, each one came and asked on his own, so they will be called, each one will be said, Tohor. The machlokes is only in a case where one fellow came to ask uh, on himself, and he received a psak of Tohor, and then he came to ask about his friend. This uh, interpretation is uh, found in the Toysvist Gibor Maslow Bevo. So a person came to ask about himself, received the psak Yurtor, and then he came to ask about his friend. Mar Medami Lay, and by the way, that, that case is the machlokis, the point of machlokis between Rebuta and Rebiosi. More Medami Lay Lebavasachas. Rebiosi, who. who uh, presents a strict approach he views that as if the two people came to ask at once and Rabbi Yehuda he views that as if they came one after the other here too Since we uh, are willing to uh, allow all of the women, kebas achas domi. If we take a look at the Rashi toward the uh, end of the page, the second line from Bamahochanami, Rashi says, Rebutiv Rebutzi Aloch Rebutzi. And Toysvis, he has a different shot. He doesn't say that here the Gemara is, is picking Rabiosi specifically, but rather the case of the, um, of the city with many Koyhanas in it and a hiding place for one woman, it's as if they, they, the question about the women concerned all of them at one time. And in a case like all at one time, everyone, Taisha says, everyone agrees that it should be Tome. So that in the, uh, as far as Rav Yirmiya is is concerned, the Gemara is saying, why are you even asking the question? Is it, is it not so that the case of the city with many Kehanas in it and uh, one hiding spot uh, hiding spot sufficient for one woman. It's like you're asking about all of them at one time, and that's according to the source and the and Rova's explanation. Everyone agrees that they are not saved by that. So why are you even asking the question? It's clear that all the women would be considered defiled. The Gemara answers, How can you compare the case of the two paths to the case of the city under siege? Hasam, in the case of the two paths, Vadai Ika Tuma, there is definitely the presence of defilement. There's a body under one of the two paths, with no question about that. In the case of the city under siege, are we to say that a woman was definitely violated? It's all an issue of a doubt. There's, it's one big doubt. 
suspicion, but that's it. There isn't any element of, of definiteness. And as a result of that, we might know the approach to the case of the, of the Shnei Shvilin, but uh, as far as Rav Yirmiyo's question, that remains, as we said before. Hence, we bracketed off this whole section in order to demonstrate that Rav Yirmiyo's question remains. Boy Ravashi. Let's say a woman, in the case of the city with a hideaway, she comes forward and says, listen, I did not take advantage of the hideaway, however, I was not defiled. How do we approach this? And here, again, we have two sides of the question. That's Aleph, and then a, a possible alternative. O Dilma. Otherwise, so me uh, amri me We continue at the top of omit base. Do we say ma li l'shakir? This uh, woman who volunteers information that is actually detrimental to her own cause. She says, "I didn't go into hiding." If she's already saying that, and she then tells us additional information that she wasn't defiled, why should she lie when she could have said? simply said, I went into hiding. And we'll, of course, assume that if she would have said, I went into hiding, she'd be believed. So when she says, I didn't go into hiding, but I remained undefiled, let's believe her. Oi Dilma, loi amrinon. Or maybe we don't say that. Once again, we have a bracketed section, and on this side we have a note that says, Tafkidam, the purpose, shall sograyim elu, of these brackets, doimim le'elu shebesoyf omed aleph, very similar to what we pointed out structurally on omed aleph, with Rav Yirmiyah's question. Um, namely, that the question that Ravashi raises here is, raises a question, no answer is forthcoming. What happens in the bracketed section, the Gemara attempts to say, well, why is there any need to ask the question? Is it not something that's clear? And uh, after that, the Gemara say, how can you compare the issue in the brackets to the case of the woman saying, lo nifbesi v'lo nitmesi? So once we, once the question, the structure is clear, let's again just realize that will she be believed or not? That remains an unanswered point. The Gemara, though, asks why was there any need for Ravashi to ask this question? What's different between Ravashi's case and the following story with a certain man, he rented his donkey to his friend, and the owner says, don't take the Nahar Pakod route, there's a lot of water there, and they, well, the, the donkey is sensitive to, to that. Zilburcha de Narish. Go the Narish route to Lekamai. There's no water over there. It's a dry route, and, uh, and uh, uh, it, it, the donkey will, will fare well. And the customer, the renter, went the wrong route, he did the, the uh, forbidden route. He went the Naharpa code route, Umis Hamra, and the donkey died. Also the Kame de Rava, the case was presented to Rava Omarle, and the uh, customer, the renter, said in, but Urch Asli, I went the route that uh, he told me not to go. 
But there was no water there. Omar Rava, Mali Lishakia. Rava rules that, uh, well, let's believe this guy. What, what, uh, why should he lie? He could have simply said, I took the route you told me to take, and the animal died anyway. And of course, uh, he would be exempt. The Omar le Abaye, and Abaye says to Rava that, that in that case, that's not a case of Mali Lishakir, why should I lie? I, I could have said something better. Mali Lishakir, lo Amrinon. You can't say, believe me in what I'm saying. Now, what's, what was the guy saying? He's saying, I went the Nahar Pakod way, but there was no water. To say there was no water in the Harpacote is like saying the Mississippi River dried up. That's ridiculous. So that you're saying something that runs counter to testimony, to witnesses. In this case, we're not dealing with the standard two witnesses. We're dealing with world knowledge. We call this Anan Sadi. We bear witness that there's always water in the Harpacote. This, what this guy is saying is, is foolish. So he's not offering us a, we'll say, a weak, t- or he's not offering us an explanation that on, w- on which he can say, believe me in what I am saying now, because I could have said something better. What he's saying now doesn't make any sense. So his, whole, his, his, his claim doesn't get off the ground. That's called Mali Lishakir B'mokamedim. This kind of believing a fellow based on this idea, why should I lie? I could have said something better. To say that when, when your current statement runs counter to testimony, your current statement doesn't work, doesn't get off the ground. So, using this information, the, uh, the, the case of the woman, uh, she says, you know, I didn't go into hiding, but I wasn't defiled. So we're trying to say that, what do you mean, uh, but I wasn't defiled. Uh, you know, it was a city under siege of some uh, loathsome uh, idol worshippers. What do you think? Uh, so the says, no, but this case of the woman is not like the case of the renter who claimed he went the, Nah- the Naharpakod, uh, i.e. Mississippi route, and there was no water. How can, how can you compare these cases? In the case of the fellow going the Nahar Pakod route and then claiming there was no water, that claim of no water is definitely challenged by witnesses. Namely, us. World knowledge. World knowledge contradicts what you are saying. In the case of the woman who said, I didn't go into hiding, but I wasn't violated. Vada hit me. Are you? Are we to say that she was definitely violated? Chashashu. It's a matter of suspicion that a city that's under siege by uh, by Gentile idol worshipping soldiers they'll probably violate the women, but it's not a certainty. And where there's an element of doubt, it's not a certainty. We do allow the woman to advance her claim of what we call Mali Lishakir. Why should she lie when she says, I wasn't violated? She could have said, I went into hiding. So hence, Ravashi's question remains. 
and trying to claim that he shouldn't have asked the question in light of the case with the renter, we sh- we've demonstrated the case of the renter and the donkey is totally different than the case at hand. The Gemara quotes the Mishnah, Im yesh edim, afilu eved vafilu shitcha nemonim. If there are witnesses that can testify that the woman, the wife of the Kohen, the wives of the Kohanim, remained undefiled, so they are believed. And we see a leniency in the laws of testimony in so far as we accept even the testimony of an Eved, a slave, and a Shivcha, a bondmaid, who in general, when it comes to standard testimony, would not be acceptable. And the Gemara says, when the Mishnah says, Vafilu Shivcha, Vafilu Shivcha Dida Mehemna, even her own bondmaid, a woman, in this case the wife of the Kohen, has her own personal bondmaid, she would be believed to say that my mistress was not defiled. Viramini. And now on this we raise a contradiction. The source deals with the general realm of giving a divorce, a get. The source deals with a person who's deathly ill. He says, <clears throat> and he gives his wife a get, a divorce that will be uh, binding retroactively if he dies. As far as why a person in that state wants to give a divorce, that has to do oftentimes with his wanting to uh, uh, prevent her or save her from being involved with a Yovan. But for our purposes, that's not essential. But the procedure is. Now, so a man, a Shechiv gives a get to his wife, that would be effective retroactively from the point that he's giving it to her if he dies. So the source, the source says, She should not be, after the giving of the get, she should not be alone with him. Unless she is uh, together with witnesses, even if the witness happens to be a slave or a bondmaid, the exception being her own bondmaid, that will not be sufficient guarding. We don't want the couple to be alone because of the fear that they might engage in intimacy and the date on the divorce document will reflect, if she becomes pregnant from that intimacy, will reflect the uh, idea that she was divorced before the child was conceived. And we don't want a situation like that of a child being born out of wedlock. So we don't want her to be alone with her husband after he's given her this kind of get unless she is accompanied by (coughs) a slave, even a slave or a bondmaid. But her own bondmaid would not be acceptable as a guard against her intimacy with the husband because a woman is capable emotionally or psychologically of doing the act of intimacy which essentially is a very private matter but in the presence of her own bondmate she would do that so what do we see? we see that a bondmate is not sufficient to testify or to serve as a a guard against immorality or uh, uh, intimacy. 
So why in our Mishnah are we accepting the testimony of her own bondmaid when, as far as we can see from this source, from Gitten, that she would conduct intimacy in the presence of her own bondmaid? As you can see in the Gemara, we have some triangles. On the side, under the Nosei, Mivneh heading, the triangle is featured, and we explain these triangles are Nisyonas, or attempts, Liashev Stira Ben Mishnosenu, to resolve a seeming contradiction between our Mishnah, Shelofiyah Shifchonem, and Eslohoit Shelof Nitma'oh Isha. According to our Mishnah, it seems that her own bondmaid uh, is believed to, uh, to testify that she was not. Uh, in a, a state of uh, intimacy, ubein moker begitten shilafia shivcha eino neimenes. Or as shivcha saw is is not believed. So number one, we go back to our Gemara. Number one, Rav Papi Omar Rav Papi b'shivuya hekelu. Here we're dealing with the general topic of captivity. As we've seen in the past, captivity, in this case a city under siege, is a situation of possible intimacy suspected intimacy but not definite intimacy so that when it comes to this realm of of shivuya um, uh, of captivity we find leniencies so whereas in general we wouldn't accept her own personal bondmaid to uh, testify uh, in this case we do Rav Papa Omar the case of Gitten is in fact talking about her own bondmate. That is not sufficient. She would conduct intimacy in her presence. Uh, she wouldn't be able to bear witness, if you will. And Ha, our Mishnah that says even a Shifcha is believed, is Bishifcha Didei, her husband's bondmate but not a reference to her own bondmate as we thought before. Question. Are you telling me then that her own bondmate would not be believed? The Seifa of the next uh, Mishnah says, A person does not, is not to testify uh, about himself. Or we saw this actually in the um, of uh, the Seifa of our Mishnah. We saw that a person, a man, is not believed about himself. But uh, but we can infer from that that uh, the bondmaid, her bondmaid, would be believed. The Gemara says. Shivchasa nami ka'atzma dami. Her own shivcha uh, is like herself. So that this uh, concept of ein oda meid al atzmo, uh, which we saw, which we'll see at the end of the next Mishnah, and uh, as I said, we saw this also uh, earlier. These. Um, it's, uh, this, this phrase "ain't on the man alafsmo" is not here to the exclusion of the bondmaid. The bondmaid, her own bondmaid, is like herself. And regarding testifying on oneself, "ain't on the man one cannot testify about themselves. Rav Ashi Omar, 
ها و ها به شیفخا دیدا Both sources are talking about her shivcha. V'shivcha mechzeh chazi v'shoska. The shivcha will see, and she'll see an act of intimacy, and she'll remain silent. Hasam, in the case of the get, d'shdikasa matirasa. In the case of the get, we said that the husband should not be alone with his wife. The presence alone of the shivcha is enough. So the shtikasa matirasa, where we say there the presence of the uh, the witness is enough. So lo mehemna. There she won't be acceptable. If we look in the Rashi, in the upper part of the narrow lines, Dishtikosa matirasa, She'enot srikha shitoid lomar lo shimsha, Ela shitoimar ani ho In the case of the get, what is necessary in, the, in terms of the witnessing there, is not the necessity of saying she did not have intimacy, rather the necessity of saying I was there. So, if... If, if you're dealing with her own shivcha, the lady's own bondmaid, so she is not sufficient. Rashi says, Lo no leo zu, the, to enable the wife, the woman, the married woman, or the divorced woman, muteres al yada, to be allowed to be considered a properly divorced with her presence, the presence of her own bondmaid. Rashi says, is, and even if she would see the intimacy, she would not testify. Hacha, in the case of our Mishnah with the city under siege, where mere silence is not going to be enough. You need, in order for the woman, the wife of the coin to be allowed in our mission, we need positive testimony that she was not defiled. Mehemna, her own shivcha will be believed. We look at Rashi. Osarta, legevirta de kolkama she'eno me'ido lo martori, as long as she doesn't say that my mistress was Undefiled, we will consider her mistress, the wife of the Kohen, defiled. When she actually speaks up and says, My mistress remained unviolated, she is believed. To, to, to suggest that she would also lie, that's not normal. What she would do is be there and remain silent. So, this, well, just to go over this point again, regarding the get of the Shchiv where we said we don't want them to be alone, but if, they're in, if they are, if the wife there, or the divorcee, is not alone, then things are okay. If her, or if her, if her being accompanied is accomplished by her own bondmaid, that's not going to help her case. Because, as we said, a bondmaid, uh, her own personal bondmaid is such that the mistress will feel comfortable in engaging in intimacy in her presence, and the, ma- and the bondmaid would, 
would remain silent. So her, the bondmate's presence, is not going to uh, enable us to say that the get would be kosher. However, with regard to our Mishnah, where presence is not enough to begin with, we need someone to speak up and say that the wife of the Kohen remained undefiled. If the bondmaid of this wife of Kohen speaks up, we will believe her. As Rashi says, it's not normal, not expected that she would lie. The Gemara asks, Well, Hashtanami Asyo Mishakra. In the case of this, the city under siege, is it not possible that her bondmaid will come and lie? And uh, uh, intimacy will have taken place and she'll say it didn't? The Gemara says, Tarti lo avda. Rashi says, Tarti lo avda, chada lemishtak, bikulkula. One to witness defilement, the ode, the with the shakra, and in addition, just she'll come and also lie, that she would not do. We have a, a long, this is uh, the beginning of a very long answer. Kiha demori bar isik, v'yamrila chona bar isik. Like the following uh, incident involving Mori or Chana, the son of Isik. Osa le achomi bechoza. A brother, someone claiming to be his brother, comes to him from a place called bechoza. Amar this brother comes and says I want a portion in father's estate so Mori says I don't know who you are the case came to Rav Chista says it's understandable that Murray would, would say to you I don't know who you are in other words, you are claiming to be the a brother, but Mori doesn't he doesn't recognize you. That's a reasonable thing, because what happened is is that uh, you had left Mori's presence while still a young man, and you came back with a full-grown beard, an adult. In the story of Joseph and the brothers, when they came to Mitzrayim, uh, Joseph recognized his brothers because when he had last seen them, they were already adults with beards. When they eventually met up again many years later, so the Pesach says that Joseph recognized them, but they didn't recognize him. Why didn't they recognize Joseph? That when Joseph was sold by the brothers, he was still a youth. He was 17 years old. did not have a growth of beard. And when they met him so many years later, he was fully bearded. So that when Mori says to you, I don't recognize you, that's because when he last saw you, you were young without a beard, and now you're coming as an adult, fully bearded. So Rav Chisto says to this brother, Bring witnesses that you are his brother. And that will entitle you to a portion of the estate. So the brother says, I can produce witnesses. But the witnesses that I could bring that would testify that I'm a brother, they won't because... 
he, Murray, is a tough guy. Gavra Aloma, who he's a tough, he's a threatening individual. And, of course, my claim is a threat to him because I'm insisting on a portion uh, of the property which, at this point, Murray fully has uh, occupied or taken over. And now I'm trying to uh, extract from him my due portion. So they're not going to testify on my behalf because they would feel threatened by Murray. Omar Lei Lididei, Surah Chisto says to Mori, Zil Aisi At Delav Achuchu. You bring witnesses in order to keep holding on to the property, bring witnesses that this guy is not your brother. Omar Lei, so Mori says, Dina Hachi, this is the way to rule in law. That's not so. You're asking of me something that ought not to be requested. The rule is Hamotzi Mechaveroi Olav Horayah. The one who's trying to extract from someone else's possession, it's upon him the burden of proof. So, what do you want from me? I'm holding on to the property. I don't know this guy, and as far as I'm concerned, he's a stranger. How in the world can he come and pull, place a claim on the property, and then you expect me to bring evidence that he's not my brother? I have a chazoka. I I have a hold on the property, and he is trying to take it away from me. Omar Lei, Rav says, "Hachi alomi You know, you're a threatening type guy. You're not. You don't play by the rules, so to speak. And as a result, hachi This is the way we judge you and all ruffians like you. So it's true there's the letter of the law, but that's when you're dealing with people that play according to the rules. But you're a, you threaten people, and therefore the law um, is, is, as I said, with regard to you and your types. So the Gemara asks, how is this going to help? Hashtonami osu umeshakri. He'll bring witnesses. That he'll bring uh, witnesses that that might very well know that Mori has a brother. They're going to come and lie because of what we just said. The Gemara answers, and here is the climax of this long answer: Tarti lo avdi. They're not going to remain silent, and uh, from they're not going to do two things. What is the two, what do we mean by the two things? People are not going to. Uh, withhold the truth by remaining silent and also lie claiming when they know that this guy has when Murray has a brother and then lie and say, and say verbally that he doesn't that's too far people don't go that far even if they feel a bit threatened they're not going to actually lie so the uh, concept of Tarti Lo Avdi we see in this story and that's what we mentioned earlier as well that the Shifcha in the uh, case of the city under siege, uh, if she speaks up and says, my mistress did not have intimacy, we can believe her. Lemo Kitanoi. Shall we say the issue concerning the Shifcha is her own bondmaid believed or not? Can we say that that is a Machlokis Tanoim? So this is a question, last a few lines. On the side of the water, we have a tat no se heading, a subtopic heading. Birur, a clarification. Im yesh lamid deos hamoroim deliel she 
Should we say that the opinions of the Amoroim that we saw before that resolved the seeming contradiction between our Mishnah and the source from Gitten is actually a Machlokes Tanoim. So this is the question. Can we say or should we say that it's a Machlokes Tanoim? Lema Ketanoi Zu Edus Ish here we're talking about the topic of a woman in captivity and testimony regarding her remaining undefiled. So this is the kind of testimony that a man, woman, uh, little girl, little boy, mother, father, her brother, her sister, they can testify. But not her son, daughter, nor her slave, nor her own bondmaid. So that we see from here that a bond, her own personal bondmaid testifying about her remaining undefiled is not accepted. Everyone is believed to testify, including her own bondmaid, everyone except for herself and her husband. So, as we focus right now on the issue as of her own bondmaid, in the case of women uh, taken, the wife of Kohanim taken, that are, that are in, a, uh, in a city under siege, is her own bondmaid believed? If we look back at the triangles above, Rav Papi, was he willing to accept the testimony of her own bondmaid? Yes. Rav Ashi, was he willing to test, accept the testimony of her own bondmaid? Her own bondmaid testifying that my mistress remained uh, unviolated. Rav Ashi, yes, he was willing to accept her testimony. So you see that Rav Popi and Ravashi they said a shifcha is believed. How about that information relative to these two um, Tanaic sources? They will be able to fit in only to the second source that said hakol neemonim lahoyid, even her own bondmaid. So they, and they cannot fit into the first source. The first source said explicitly, Loi Shivchasa. And they said, Yes, Shivchasa. So the Gemara concludes that as far as Rav Popi and Rav Ashi are concerned, they are certainly what they said is subject to a Machlokes Tanoim. De Rav Popa mi lema Tanoihi. Rav Popa. We go. You can go back to the second triangle. He basically said her own bondmaid is not believed. Did we see a Tanaic source that would would say that her own bondmaid is not believed? Certainly, the first source. Me lema tanoihi. Should we say that he too, Rav is also a machlokes tanoim? In, and in other words, that he cannot conform or fit into the uh, the opinion of, of source number two. Omar loch Rav Papa, kitanyo hahi 
Source number two that indicated we would accept the testimony of her shifcha, it's not that she was saying formal testimony. Her formal testimony would not be believed. What happened in source number two that we, we give her believability? She wasn't testifying. She was telling a story and from the story that she was uh, telling in a matter of fact fashion, we concluded whatever we wanted to conclude. The idea of Masicha Lafituma and that we will believe someone that we ordinarily would not believe, we can see in the following uh, report. Rav Chonan Kartigno Mishtoi. Rav Dimi tells us that Rav Chonan from Kartig, from Kartig, maybe Carthage, he told the following. Maise Ball, if they were Yeshua ben Levi, the Amrila or Yeshua ben Levi Mishtoi. Uh, one version is that, uh, that Rav Chonan told this story with uh, a case coming to Rav Yishu ben Levi. Another version is Rav Yishu ben Levi tells us a story. A case involving a man that was telling a story and he said, I and my mother and by the way, we should point out that we, that, uh, we saw above uh, that a son is ordinarily speaking not believed about his uh, mother's fidelity. So, here's a story of a son telling us, I and my mother were taken captive among, uh, amongst the uh, idol worshippers. I went to draw water uh, in, in captivity and I was, my mind, I was concentrating on mother. And I went to collect wood I was still concentrating on mother. In other words, I was I was watching her. Daiti would have to mean in this context. I was I was not only thinking, but I was watching her. Rebbe enabled this fellow's mother to marry a Kohen, indicating that the son's testimony was uh, was sufficient for. For, uh, for proving that she did not have intimacy with the idol worshippers, which otherwise would have rendered her unfit to the kuna. So we see that in the case of Messiah Lefitumo, even though it's a son telling the story, the son, like a, a woman's personal bondmaid, are not believed. But when it's Messiah Lefitumo, they are, the information that they reveal is acceptable and in our context indicating that uh, she remained uh, undefiled. Omar Rabbi Zechariah ben Akatsev. Hamoin Hazer. The expression is a lotion is an expression of oath. Lozoza Yoda Mitoch Yodi That from the time that the intruders the uh, idol worshippers, plunderers, came into Jerusalem, and until they left, her hand did not uh, uh, did not leave mine. In other words, her husband is saying, and he was a Kohen, that I was with my wife the whole time. They told him, sorry, but your, your testimony is not going to help. Your person doesn't testify about himself. Tona. The Afa now, uh, we have to note that they, the rabbis uh, answered her. They said, you can't continue with your wife. 
you were together with her in a city that was under siege by uh, by idol worshippers, by Gentiles, and the halacha views every Aishas Kohen there as being defiled. And a uh, wife of a Kohen who is defiled, even, even if it's against her will, is rendered unfit to her husband. So this source continues that line and says, even so, even though they ossered her on him, they prevented, they, they prohibited the, uh, the wife from being any more with her husband, he uh, he gave to his wife a home in the in their in their courtyard. And when uh, she was going to leave the when 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 he would leave the chutz, when she would leave the chutzer, and and the husband remained in the chutzer in the courtyard, she would go out before her children. In other words, there was never a situation where she would be alone with her husband. She would go out first while her children were still there. When she would enter, she would enter after her children themselves entered the Chatzar. So at no given point would she be alone with him. Boy Abaye. Mahu Lasos Begrusha Kane. A Kohen, imagine a Kohen divorced his wife. Now, a Kohen, once he divorces his wife, he's not allowed to take her back. Can she be assigned a, an apartment, a house in the same courtyard? So, we saw in a Tanaic source that this was something that uh, they allowed for uh, Rabbi Zechariah ben Akatsev. So, what about in a case of a, a standard divorce? It could be that in the case of the whole thing was simply a matter of suspicion uh, that she might have been defiled in the, while they were in captivity or under siege. And we know that in the realm of siege and captivity we are make we have leniencies. But in the case of a standard divorce we don't have a basis for being lenient. And we cannot allow a, a Kohen who divorced his wife to live in the same courtyard. There's a great fear that they might uh, be together and, uh, and that would be a forbidden relationship for the Kohen. Kohen cannot be with a divorcee. So is it so that maybe only there we were making with the case of the Chaim and Akatsev and the story of their captivity? But here, no. Maybe we don't make that distinction. Just like by Rabbi Zechariah and Akatsev, after he had to divorce his wife, the Chachomim, uh, the sages, never allowed her to uh, uh, stay in the same courtyard. And maybe just like there, we had that leniency, so too in a case of a standard divorce. Ta Shma. So let's try to conclude this question. Um, by the way, we had a marking that we didn't point out on the side under the Nosei the heading. The diamond introduces Sheilois Binyan Harchokes Shoisa Binyan Megurim Biachas Lekayin Shigiris Girish Es Yishda. These are these diamonds introduce questions regarding the uh, the possible need for distancing a wife, a former wife from a Kohen husband that had divorced her. And just to repeat ourselves, as we said, a Kohen who divorces his wife is forbidden to remarry her. 
Boy, uh, uh, oh, we read the question already. So Toshma at the bottom line in the middle. Desanya, Hamagarish is Ishto, a man who divorces his wife. Lo, Sinose, Bishunaso. Uh, Rashi says at the bottom, Lo Tinose Bishunoso, Lafishem Akira Burizosov, Sosov, Shemo Yavoli de Avera. We don't want a, a man who divorced his wife for her to remarry a new husband and dwell in the same Shuna, the same. Uh, the, the word Shuna is often translated as the same neighborhood, but it's a, it, for our purposes, it, it would mean a fairly clo- in, in fairly close proximity. So we, the, with the Gemara continues at the top of Chav Chesam and Aleph, Im Hoya Kayhein Lo Sodur Imo B'Movoi. If the man who was divorcing the woman was a Kohen, then she shall not live in the same alleyway, even if she doesn't remarry. Now we didn't explain the ratio too much, we maybe we'll just go back over that momentarily. Man divorces his wife and she remarries his second husband. We don't want the woman with her with her second husband in the same proximity of the first husband because a woman knows the different motions and gestures that her former husband uh, uh, makes and uh, there's a fear that the first husband might come around if they're in proximity and start uh, making various kinds of gestures and motions to his uh, former wife uh, and uh, thereby um, inviting trouble, we'll say, and messing up her marriage with the second husband. So the Rasha spoke about a woman who had remarried and the need for maintaining a certain distance from her first husband. In the, the continuation of this source here at the top line of Chavches, we see a, a Kohen who divorced his wife, even if she doesn't remarry, she should not stay in the same movu, in the same alleyway. Uh, Rashi says at the top, He, the former husband, the Kohen, might have intimacy with him. A Kohen is not allowed to have intimacy with a divorcee. Avol Yisrael calls says when it comes to a non kohen as long as she hasn't remarried, we're not uh, we're not opposed to her dwelling in the same shchuna. The uh, Gemara continues v'im cotton. If it was a if you're dealing with a small uh, village, a hamlet, zoya meisa. A small village is viewed like an alleyway in a in a big in a big city, and and hence she wouldn't be allowed to dwell even in that same little village. Now it's a question of who has to move away from whom. We have the we we just indicated that the uh, husband and wife they cannot dwell in the same location. Who has to leave? Me nitchem name me. Who must be the one to move? Ta shma desanya. The source says he nitches mi ponav vein hu mi ponel. The woman is the one that has to leave, not the man. Ve'im hoisa chotzer shalah. If she was the owner of the chotzer, who nitches mi ponel? Then he must leave. Ibaya laho. Again, the diamond indicates another question that's associated with this topic. Of, uh, of uh, husband and wife uh, uh, having to separate, and a, um, specifically, we spoke about a Kohen divorcing his wife. 
So now we have a question. The question is, uh, let's say the Kohen who divorced his wife, they owned jointly a courtyard. Who leaves? Toshma, he nidches miponav. This was a quote that we saw just two lines ago that the woman must leave. When the source there said the woman must leave, what are the circumstances of that source? And by the way, you should, we should note that this is part of an answer, it's a long answer, and it's a long answer marking that you see with the Tafshin Toshma abbreviated and the vertical dash line. We need all of these lines to develop the answer. And so when the source above said she must move from in front of him, that she has to be the one to move, it said, that's what it said, what are the circumstances? If we're talking about a case where he's the owner of the Chatzar Pshita, of course she is the one, the wife has to leave. Well, maybe it's a talk about a case where it's her property. Well, If it's her property, then she doesn't have to leave. He would have to leave. Why? And the source says that she's the one that has to leave. So it can't be talking about a case of Chatzir Shalom. Elo lav ki hai gavna. It must be, in order for, it to, for the source to be telling us something meaningful, it must be talking about a case of the Chatzir belongs to both of them. And if that's the case, the source reveals to us that in the case of divorce, she must leave, even though it was a jointly owned Chatzir. The Gemara rejects that. Dilma the Ogir Megar. Maybe it's talking about a case where she was renting the uh, she she was they, that they were renting there, but not that it's a jointly owned piece of property. My Havi Allah. What is the halacha? The question had been a chutzah that was owned by both of them. As far as sources are concerned, we didn't see that. We saw a source that spoke about them having maybe rented the chutzah together. But if she's an actual part owner in it, we don't see that. So what are we to do? My Havi Allah. What is the practical halacha? Toshma. There's a posuk that says, Hinei Hashem gever. The, uh, the Pesach is for uh, forewarning a punishment of the Almighty and for the, uh, the Pesach anticipates the Almighty coming and casting us about, casting us out into exile. Tal-tale, tiltale is, has to do with movement, like the movement of a man. From this we learn, for a man to be, I would say, to be the uh, the one to move for that to happen that's in, that incurs greater difficulty than for the woman to be the one to move so that all things being equal it's a choice here of the man having to move or the woman having to move will require the movement for uh, of the one for whom it's less of a burden less of a trouble and for the woman to move that would be less troublesome than expecting the husband to be the one to move.